Boker Tov, and welcome back to our continuing series of Shurim on Dafyomi. We are nearing the end of Masachet Moed Katan, and as promised, these two podcasts, which will be published before uh, midday of, uh, of Yudal Benisan, will uh, take us to the end of Masachet Moed Katan. Al Cholamoid, we will begin podcasting Masachet Chagiga. We are near the end of Davchavav Amur Aleph, a list of those tears, those uh, garments rend, rent that we do not ever mend. And among the list was Arei Yehuda, the cities of Judea that are destroyed, Yerushalayim and the Mikdash. So Arei Yehuda Menalim, the Gemara asks, how do we know that you have to tear your garments for when you see the cities of Judea? Dichtiv, uh, and we see the first pasuk on the page, Vayavo Anashim, these are a group of people who came from the north who had come to bring Korbanot to the Beit HaMikdash, and now they were returning, having seen the Mikdash was destroyed, and their clothes were torn. So now we're going to see it formulated with sequentially. One sees the cities of Judea which are destroyed. Omer, Arei Kodshecha, Yumin Bar, the second pasuk on the page, two psukim in a row from Sefer Yeshayahu, which will form the, uh, the liturgical response here, that uh, your cities, have, your holy cities have been become desolate. V'koreya, and then Yitarkriya, Yushalayim B'chorbana, then when you get to Yushalayim, Omer Tzion, Midbar Hayta, Yushalayim Shemama, Hayata, Yushalayim Tzion has become a Midbar, Yushalayim a desolation, the Korea, you tear again, Beit HaMikdash B'chorbanah, and then when you come to the place of the Mikdash, Omer, Beit Kodshenu V'tifarteinu Asher Elucha, Avoteinu Haya, L'Srifat Eish, V'chom Achvadeinu Haya, L'Chorbat. And our temple, that, you, that um, our holy temple, our holy sanctuary, and our glory, that where our ancestors praised you, has become a, uh, destroyed, destroyed by fire, and all of our precious things have become destroyed, the Korea. Right? So now, the Mishnah said, Koreal Mikdash Mosif al Yushalayim. The order presented in the Mishnah was Mikdash and then Yushalayim. Arminu achara shomea v'achara roea. Whether you hear about the destruction or you see the destroyed place, Kevan shigia las tzofim, once you get to Mount Scopus, which is a place where you can see the city, Korea. Koreal Mikdash yifnatzma al Yushalayim yifnatzma. And then you have a separate Kriya for Yushalayim and for the Mikdash, which sounds like you tear for Yushalayim first, and the Mishnah was Mikdash first. So It really depends what you saw first. If you first encountered the city, then you would tear that. If, on the other hand, somehow you would encounter the Mikdash first, I'm not exactly sure how that could happen, then you would tear for the Mikdash first. So the sequence does not indicate anything about importance, but rather just about experience. You first experience this catastrophe, you tear Kriya for it, and then another Kriya for the other catastrophe. Uh, the discussion about Arei Yehuda B'churbanan is one that of late has become, of late in the last 60 years or so, has become reinvigorated with the fact that now many of Arei Yehuda are, are flourishing under uh, Jewish sovereignty and the Jewish population, and the question of whether or not uh, one should take for them has been raised, and uh, there are many, many poski who believe that uh, that it should not, for at least for those cities. Tanu Rabbanan. Uh, all of these tears that you're not allowed to mend for parents, for the Nasif, the Abetin, for Shalom, for Ray, etc., etc., for a Sefer Torah that, uh, that you see burned, uh, you are allowed to mend them in some sort of rudimentary fashion, Sulamot, to sort of make ties between the two parts so they're sort of loose 
and connected of alola achotan, but not to fully mend them. Amar Avchista, Uvichui Alexandri says that the mending that we're referring to is professional mending, as it was done in Alexandria. Tanar banana koremi tocha shalal. So now the parallel halacha is that if you tear kriya um, from a shalal, from a slightly mended, uh, rudimentarily mended clothes, mitocha malal mitocha leket. Any of these kind of um, temporary uh, patching together, loyatsa, that's not a kriya, because kriya has to be from a garment, and it's not a garment anymore. Mitocha ichui, but if it's from a properly mend, mended uh, garment, then yatsa. So Rochista wrote ichui Alexandria. And again, Rochista says the only kind of mending that makes it considered to be a proper garment, such that kriya from it is considered a kriya, is Alexandrian ichui. Tanar Banan. You're allowed to turn it upside down and to mend it. He says you're not allowed to. Just like if you're selling that garment, you're not allowed to mend it. The buyer is not allowed to mend it. In other words, the garment has to stay rent, even though the owner of the garment is now not the person who tore it. And therefore, the seller has to notify the buyer. This, of course, is something that in general in our day is not practical. People generally don't sell their own clothes for purposes like that. But in the ancient world, where a garment was worth far more and would perhaps be uh, have particular value to it, it was practical. Tan Tafach. The first Kriya that you tear is a Tafach. And this is something that we saw in an earlier discussion. It's Hosefet If you're going to add another Kriya, and we'll see what the circumstances are, you have to tear three at spaot, three finger lengths, which is a little bit less than a tefach. Tivra Meir. He takes it down a notch. He says that the first kriya is not a tefach, but three fingers. But And to add, you just tear a little bit more, any amount. So we accept Meir's opinion about the kriya itself, it has to be a tefach, but as far as the tosefet, we accept Rabbi Yehuda that it could be any amount. And now we have Brighton that supports that. The first Kriya has to be a Tafach. Anything you're going to add to that, and what the circumstance is, is if you tore Kriya and then heard more bad news or had another somebody, somebody else who died, and you want to add to that same tear, that second Kriya has any amount. Tanarabanan. Amrulo Meitaviv. So we have a Brighton. Let's say a person hears that his father dies, Vikara, and he tore Kriya. Mate Benova Hosif, and then he heard that his son died, and he added to that tear, and now that's the Tosefet. So the lower one, the second tear, the addition, can be sewn up, but not the upper one, because that was for father. Mate Benova Hosif, if you have the opposite one, first he heard that his son died. Sorry, Amrulo Mate Benova Kara, Mate Aviv Hosif, if the first news he got was about his son, he tore Korea. And then his father, the upper one is sown. In other words, the whatever the, the one of the son can be sown, the one for the father can't, can't not be sown. Um, if he hears about uh, all of them at one shot, so Tanakama says that one Kriya for the whole, because it's one piece of bad news. He disagrees. He says there is one Kriya for everybody except parents. For both parents together, one separate kara. Why? We don't add on to the rip for, for your parents. So therefore, you can't do parents and anybody else in the same rip. So my time, why then? Interesting notion, because you can't add parents. 
You could always have more, possibly have more siblings. You could certainly have more children. You could be married again, but you can never have more than those parents. So therefore, because they cannot be added on to, we cannot add on to the tariff for them. Amar Shmuel halacha Now this is interesting because Shmuel, as we've seen throughout our parak, has always held the position that we take the lenient view on Avelut. And nonetheless, here he passes that if you hear about a family tragedy uh, affecting uh, parents and siblings at the same time, you have to tear two separate kriot, one for everybody else and one for parents. The answer is Avelut l'chud, kriot l'chud. Avelut is not the same as kriot. You're right, Shmuel always ruled that we take the lenient opinion in Avelut, but not necessarily in kriot. Now, Adhechan Korea. How how far is the Kriya? It's interesting because up until now we just said a Tafach or Shalosh Hatzpaot. So here this is for parents. Say Ad Tiburo. If tear until your uh, your stomach, basically. Shomrim Ad Libo, or till your heart. Alpha Bishain. Raya Ladover Even though we don't have any proof um, that uh, that it goes until the heart, there is an allusion to it in the famous Pasuk in. Yoel, which is Pasuk number three on the page. Right, there he's telling people that they should fast properly and not to just do the formal fasting, but to tear their hearts, as it were. Duchuva, he says, tear your hearts. Good. So let's say he got all the way to, and it seems to be ruling like that it's the Tibor. If you get all the way, the, the belly button, if you get all the way there, then Then you have to set, move three etzbaot away from that and do a second kriya if such a case happens. So let's say a person had just tons of bad news and there was a kriya all over and the entire front of his garment was torn up. He can turn it around and then use what was previously the back. Again, as I mentioned, their clothes were different and they were able to turn them around. You can also turn it upside down. But if you tear Kriya from the side or from the bottom, that's not Kriya. It has to be torn from the top. But you could turn it upside down so you have a new top right, and a new front. Ella, the one exception is that a Kohen Gadol does do his Kriya from below. We have the following Machlok of later on Moraim in the name of first generation of Moraim. So during Shiva you tear Kriya. If you only get if you uh, after Shiva uh you add on And the other said that you that you um can add on to the Kara uh, only after Shloshim. In other words, during Shloshim you can't add on to the Kara, you have to do a separate Kriya for separate news. After Shloshim you could add on. The other one said after Shiva you could add on. Uh, sorry, Matkifta Rabbi Zera. So Rabbi Zera challenged this. Why does he say that you're that you have to wait till after Shiva because you're not allowed to mend it in any sort of way? And, and so therefore, you uh, because of that, you have to tear a separate kriya during Shiva if you have some other news. Remember, we said that a woman can rudimentarily mend her garments immediately after Kriya because of Tzniyut. So Achinami, so therefore she could do a Tosefet right away, right on there. They're the reason it's Kvodisha, but really Mikar Adin, she's not allowed to mend to sew it up at all, and therefore you're not allowed to, to be Tumosif. And Rav Zera attacks the one who says that you have to wait till after Shloshim to, to add on to that Kriya. Why is that? Because you're not allowed to fully mend. 
So you're going to say for parents, if you tell a Kriya for parents, which you're never allowed to be ma'achet, that means you could never be mosif onto it, that's from the other bad news, there it's not an Iker Dina Kriya, but it's called Ikiburavi. In other words, the Iker Dina is that any Kriya that you tear for the first seven days is not allowed to be mended at all, and after Shloshim it can be fully, fully mended. Hello, what? That a woman is allowed to mend in a rudimentary fashion immediately to protect her dignity. And for parents, on the other side of it, we don't fully mend it at all, but that's not because of a Dina of Kriya, that's a Dina of Kiburavi. And therefore, the halacha is that either after Shiva, according to one opinion, after Shloshim, according to the other opinion, you could take the kara that's there and add on to it because theoretically it could be sewn up, and so now that garment can be, that tear can be extended. If you come out with a garment that's already torn, then it, you're, you're stealing from the metim v'tachayim. Why? Because instead of tearing a kriya and, and losing money, uh, showing your sense of loss, you're going on the cheap by using a garment that's already torn. Let's say a guy says, I want to borrow your fancy shirt because I'm going for to visit my father. He's sick. I want to appear nice. And you go there. And you come and you find that he's dead. You have to tear the garment. But you immediately sew it up properly. And then when you come back, you give him back the shirt, and you have to pay him for the loss of value to the shirt as a result of the kara. But let's say that you didn't tell the guy I'm going to visit my sick father. You just said, I want to borrow your shirt for an important trip. You didn't say what it was? You're not allowed to tear it. You're not allowed to do anything, because after all, when you said, I'm going to visit my father who's sick, so a person understood it's possible it's going to be a Kriya. If you just said, I'm going to a fancy meeting, I need your shirt, guy has no reason to think that. You have no right do that as a shoel to destroy the, the item. Uh, even if you're going to pay him, and even if you're going to uh, to fix it partially, that's still sholeach yadab sholeach, it's called shlichut yad, pikadam. That's still affecting something that you were entrusted with here as a shoel. Okay, good. Tanor banan. Cholesh meit lomait. You have somebody who's sick, and he encounters avilut. Eimodino toshimait. You don't tell the guy, the sick man, this means somebody who's very sick, and if you tell him that you know the wife died, and this often happens, you know, there's a terrible accident, and uh, so the one person who's in recovery, but they're still in tremendous shock, it turns out the other person didn't make it, so you don't tell them, because they may lose their mind, they may lose going to shock. You don't tell Kriya in their presence. You don't have the woman do the wailing in front of them. Separate halacha, is that a katan, who's an avel, this we saw much earlier on, we tear his garments, but not because he's really chayv in a kriya, but because he the to arouse sort of the feelings of pain of everybody around him. And again, we saw this earlier, you tear kriya, this, this part we didn't see earlier, but we saw an angle of it, you tear kriya for your father-in-law and mother-in-law out of covenant for your wife. So in Masechet Avarabati, part of Masechet Sofrim, sorry, sorry, part of the Masechet Tanot, periods of the Gonim, but uh, the the base text of it was around earlier, uh, that an Avel is not allowed to have a baby, hold a baby in his arms, because we deal with his chok, because it gives him happiness. 
And then uh, the guy looks silly. Here he is looking scruffy and sitting low, and then he's laughing. He looks like a crazy person. There's another problem, which is schok. So the Mishnah said that we do not bring the food to the Ovel while sitting on high beds, when it's sitting up in a normal position. All right? You go to a Beit Ovel. If you're very friendly with the guy, very comfortable with the guy, you can sit on a low bed. In love, but otherwise, you have to sit high. Rava itro be milta. So Rava was an avel. Alagabe abba barmarta. So abba barmarta came to be menachem. To abba barmanyuma. Rava zakif. So Rava sat up. Abba marta kafi. And the visitor sat down. Lo. So Rava said, This guy doesn't get it. This Talmud Chacham doesn't understand. He doesn't understand that I sat up so that he should sit up. He's sitting low. He's becoming more like the avel than I am. So if a person has to go from one place to another, uh, and this is uh, referring to, um, um, this, this is a, if a fellow has to go from one place to another, he should try to minimize whatever business he has to do. Uh, and uh, this is evidently referring to... Um, uh, to during uh, Shloshim, right? That if he uh, that if he has to go from one place to another, he should minimize the amount of business he does. And if there's no way to do it, he should have the people he's traveling with work it out so that they're really the ones doing it. Later on, he'll take care of it. When does Avelut start? That's a way of saying it. When do we make the beds low? Right? That's the verbal Lozer. Lozer says, the minute the mate leaves the house on the way to the, the cemetery, that's already Avelut. Yeshua says, no, it's when the, the, uh, cat, the grave is covered. So when Magamliel Zaken died, this is in about the, the, the year 40 or so, so the minute they left the house, Rebeliezer, the student said, turn your beds over. But once the, the, cat, the grave was buried, and Yeshua turned around and said, turn your beds over. So they said, we already turned our beds over based on the ruling of the Zakein, that being Rabbi Eliezer. When do we pick the beds up on Erev Shabbat? In other words, to, for Shabbat, the beds have to be up. From Mincha time on. But you you pick the beds up then, but you don't sit on the raised bed up until it's actually Shabbat. Even though you're going to be getting up, let's say, Sunday morning from Shiva, Saturday night, you turn it over again. Again, this is a practice of Kfiat that we do not engage in anymore. Either you don't turn over only your bed, you turn over all the beds in the house. Even if you have them in ten different places, evidently this means in ten different locations, not just in your house, you have them all turned over. That's a sign of Avelut. So even if there's five brothers and one of them died, all of them turn over. But if it was a bed that was used to store things on, because it was not used for sitting or for sleeping, then you don't have to turn it over. Dargash, Dargash, we're going to see in a minute, is some sort of a bed that was there for Mazel. Nobody ever used it. It was a superstitious good luck bed. 
There's uh, sticks underneath that you can just move, or ropes that you can move, and it falls on its own. So my dargash, what is this dargash? It's the luck bed. They would keep it around in the house. So it's very hard to understand when a king is in Avelut, everybody sits around him on the ground, and he sits on a dargash. So up until now, we haven't set it up, and now we're setting it up for him. Until now, we didn't feed him. Now we're feeding him because of Havra'ah. So in the same way, we're setting up this, this dargash for him. That we said that a dargash, you don't have to turn over. If it's the, the good luck bed, why don't you have to turn it over? We learned you have to turn over all the beds. So my kash, immediately have the Why not? It's like a bed that's used for vessels. You don't have to turn it over. So the same thing. This good luck bed is not used for sleeping. It's used for some other mystical thing. This is the problem. The end of the bright that says you could take the ropes out and it falls. Evidently, this good luck bed did not have these ropes underneath. So that's what was difficult. Good. So a particular student said to Ravin when he came from Eretz Yisrael, He was somebody who was in the Shuk. My Dargash Arsad Tzala. He says a Dargash is not a good luck bed, but it's rather a bed made of pelt. The difference in a dargash and a mitah is how the grips hold on to the sides, how the ropes hold on to the sides, whether they go over them or they dig into them. Right? So it's not a different function, but it's a different uh, structure. You do have to take it down, you take it down by loosening the ropes. If you have a bed in which the uh, the stands for it come out, um, and and therefore if you turn it over, you're going to end up with something that's just as high as you had before. So then you leave it as is because you're not accomplishing anything. You just stand it up upwards, uh, vertical. If you sleep on the ground or on a big chair or whatever it is, you're not yotze. Kviyatamita really means turn the bed over and sleep on it. You're allowed to sweep out a beta evel. You're allowed to wash dishes there. But you don't bring uh, incense and and uh, smoky smells into the house to make it smell nice. I, we have a, a statement of Bar Kapra that says you can't make the bracha on Saturday night on the Vesomim brought into the Beit HaEvel. So obviously you do bring Vesomim there. So, the Beit HaEvel himself, where he lives, you don't bring it in at all. Beit HaMenachamim, which is an, evidently an area adjacent to it where the comforters come to sit with him, there you're allowed to bring it, but that you don't make the bracha. Good. Okay, we have one more piece to take care of uh, today. 
Uh, listen, this year, and that is the next Mishnah. You don't carry food. As I carry food to the Beit HaEvel, you don't carry it in a fancy tray. Rather, in simple baskets. And we'll see why. Let's say that somebody uh, died in Cholamoid, was buried, or Yantav buried in Cholamoid. You don't say the Berkat Avilim, which we've encountered several times, uh, but they do stand in the Shura Umenachim, they comfort the fellow, and then they tell everybody to go home. During Moed, you don't put the beer out in the street so that people will eulogize. And women never, not Cholamoid, not any time, because the lack of dignity to the women. We'll see what the concern there is. They used to bring food as follows. The rich people used to bring in fancy gold and silver baskets. And the poor people in wicker baskets. And what happened? The poor people were embarrassed. They stopped bringing. So everybody brings in the simplest wicker baskets. They used to use different kinds of glasses in the Beit Ha'evel. And the rich, the rich people would come and bring fancy white glass, and others would bring in cheaper colored glass. So they made the Takana that everybody should use the colored glass to make sure that the Ani'im, um, that their dignity was not lost and that they were not embarrassed. It used to be that the Ashirim, the wealthy people who had healthy faces, would come in and uncover their wrap, and the Ani'im would keep their faces covered because they looked so emaciated. Poor people were embarrassed. I guess the concern is that they also wouldn't come. Everybody walks in with their face covered. It used to be that they'd carry the rich people out to be buried in a uh, fancy bed, and the poor people in some sort of a stretcher. Everybody was taken out in this simple stretcher. They used to put uh, senses and incense underneath people who died and had intestinal problems because of the smells that were there. And all the people who were alive who had those intestinal problems were embarrassed. So they're kind of like, you know, that's where I'm going to end up. So they made a takana that everybody gets this incense under their body. To keep the dignity of people who had such a problem and were still alive. What they used to do is they would be they would take the the clothes of the nida who had died, who if she had died as a nida, and they would be told of them, and all the women who were nida would be embarrassed, kind of as if like you know that might be happening to me. Therefore, all women's clothes doesn't matter who they are and what age go to the, are taken and same thing. They used to take anybody who died as a Zav, they would take their Kelim and betogle them. And so the Zavim who were alive were embarrassed. The same thing for the Zavim. It used to be that burial was more of a problem, more of an anxiety than the death itself. 
Because the Krovim used to leave the dead body and run away because they couldn't afford a fancy funeral. Why? Because rich people were doing very fancy funerals. himself, the wealthy and Sanhedrin, Gamliel, had himself buried in a simple white linen. And so everybody had the custom, and therefore he saved everyone. And now everybody has even a cheaper thing. Everybody has no egg, but simplest, cheapest thing. That's what's worn by the mate, and therefore everybody can afford it. We learned in the Brita, you don't, in the Mishnah, you don't leave the bed on Moed out in the street. Papa ain't Moed before the Talmud Chacham. Papa said that Moed doesn't get in the way of the Talmud Chacham. Because the Talmud Chacham who died, they do put his bed out there, so everybody will mourn. V'choshikin Chanukah Purim, and certainly Chanukah Purim, we we do full hespet. Eini v'harav kana safter the Rav Zvid in our day b'fum nahara. Right, our Papa Yom Shmuahave. Rav Kahana gave uh, a hespet for Rav Zvid uh, in Pum Nahara. In other words, not in the presence of the mate. So we see that it's not just bifnei chacham. You give a hesped for mate on cholamoid, even if he's not there. So why do you say bifnei tamin chacham? Papi yom That was the day he heard he had died. Uchfanav dami. And that day was so upsetting. It's as if the mate was there. Amarula hesped al lev. Hesped has to be on the heart. Tichtiv al shadayim softim. It was beating on the heart. And that's uh, the pasuk on the page. Tipuach biad. What's tipuach? When you talk about tipuach, that's clapping with the hands. Kilus baregel, that's stamping the feet. So whenever you talk about these different forms of expressions of mourning, that's what it means. So we have a bright that supports that says if somebody's mekales, they should do it with a particular kind of shoe and not a sandal because it's dangerous because of the nails. An avel gives a proper kind of a nod and lets people know that he's not interested right now in menachamim, they should leave him alone. If a nasi walks into the room, everybody has to stand up except somebody who's sick and somebody who's an avel. And therefore, when the nasi, no, the other people cannot sit down until he says sit, except for the avel and the chola. Right? That's something we've seen alluded to, but now we see it formally, that on the first day, an avel is not allowed to eat his own food. Um, how do we know? Again, going back to Yechezkel and the things Hashem told Yechezkel to do are things that Avel is not normally allowed to do and vice versa. He said, Don't eat other people's food. Means, right, that other, pe- that other Avelim are supposed to eat other people's food. They used to just, they exchanged meals when they had some common Avelut. If somebody is dead, died in the city, then the rest of the city, till the burial happens, they're not allowed to do malacha. He came to Darumta. He heard the sounds of shofarot, sounding because of a dead person. He saw people doing malacha. Takes us back to, to Nidui. And you throw these people in Chera. They're violating the rabbi's rules, the honor of the town. Is a dead person going to be buried and these guys are doing malacha? We have a Chavar Kadisha. We have a group that takes care of the burials. He said, if that's the case, then it is indeed mutter to you. So, in Yitzhak we will finish a little bit later today the final podcast uh, on Masachat Moed Katan and properly be Messiah in a virtual seum.
and uh, and then be able to wish everybody a Chag Sameach.